the reviews are in, and we're going to tell you what they are. He's Todd Vandenberg. I'm Rob Steele, and we've got a news story this week, and the rest of it is reviews because, oh my God, did stuff come out this week. Yeah, it, it was really just one thing, but my God, it was long. Uh, the one news story, and I think it's a good news story, and it's something Lee's going to be very happy with. The Indiana Jones, is it a quadrilogy, if there's four of them? At this point, yeah. So all four of them are going to be released June 8th on 4K discs. That is the actual 40th anniversary date of the original Raiders of the Lost Ark, which I think is kind of a nifty concept. I'm sure they look pretty. And three of them will be worth watching. Two and a half, actually, in my estimation, but, you know. The fourth one has... I'm looking forward to seeing the refrigerator in 4K. Yeah. Yeah. That fourth one's rather problematic in every respect. Actually, speaking of problematic, let's just jump into the big review of the movie that everyone seems to have been waiting for. And now that it's here, we're all going, we waited for this. Um, (laughs) The Snyder Cut of the Justice League. Now, there were a lot of production issues that went on with this, including one rumor. Actually, it wasn't even a rumor. They announced they were doing this. Uh, breaking it up into four parts and doing it as a four-part TV miniseries. And then they went, no, we're doing it as a movie. And everyone's gone, well, why didn't you do it as the four-part series? That kind of would have made sense. There's a reason. I found this out yesterday. This comes from Zack Snyder himself. Apparently, if they do it as a four-part TV series, it falls into a different category than movie. Therefore, it null and voids several contracts with sponsors. Um, and it, it basically just becomes a backstage mess with the front office crap. So they went, okay, we're putting it back as <clears throat> the Justice League Snyder Cut, which I think is the cruelest cut of all. <laughs> Especially since, I mean, my favorite... I think we've all seen Justice League at this point, so we're not really concerned that much with spoilers for this. Hopefully not. <clears throat> um, my favorite scene in the original version was the opening scene with Batman and the Parademon. I liked that scene, and it's not there anymore. Uh, it, you know, it was very much the way the New 52 comics started uh, with their Justice League, and it's just gone. So the, the new intro is basically a rehash of the end of Batman versus Superman, where Superman gets killed by what looks kind of like Doomsday banged one of the Ninja Turtles. Um, it did not look good. Anyway, apparently when Superman screamed, it woke up the mother boxes, including the one that's hiding in Vic Stone's closet. Because... Where else is a mother box going to hide? But in the closet, that that that's one of many things that didn't really make a whole lot of sense. Um, the movie is broken up into six chapters, and quite frankly, I'm going to save us forty-five minutes of movie right here. Watch this. This is a very simple cut, and it will have changed. Nothing in the movie. Take chapter one. Remove the scene where Steppenwolf attacks the mascara and throw the rest away. It's not needed. 
nothing of significance happens. It's just 45 minutes of, oh. There's, there's a lot of that in this movie. As, as I tweeted after I finished watching it in my marathon session, because I got up at 3 in the morning to watch it, because, because I, I wanted to. Not that I expected anything good. I expected something on the level of Cats, actually, and I was pleasantly surprised. I knew it wasn't going to be as bad as Cats, but it... Oh, I didn't, considering the way the trailers looked, and considering some of the stuff that Zack Snyder has done in the past, Sucker Punch, anyone. So... Um, Actually, you mentioned the ads. Did you see the last ad before this came out? Yes, I did. The, uh, I, well, the, uh, the, the promo thing. It said, uh, uh, what was it? The stupid ad of the week I, it, it, for another show. Flash runs faster than ever in Justice League Snyder Cut promo. It's a still shot of Flash. Which makes sense, right? Um, that, that's, that's the level of Warner Brothers on the movie side. For the most part, and that has nothing to do with Snyder, unless he said do this in the ad, which of course he didn't. So I have a completely separate issue with Warner Brothers and, and Snyder, two two very different entities. Anyway, um, <clears throat> as as I tweeted after when I f- almost finished it because I didn't quite have time to finish it before I had a class, but as I tweeted before I started watching the endless endings, which are longer than the Return of the King, I said this is a Decent four-hour trailer for what could have been a good two-and-a-half-hour movie. So, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> there is way too much stuff in here that doesn't need to be in here that adds nothing to the story. And basically, it's just like, well, we shot it, so let's use it. Uh, this, there are a lot of standalone parts that I really enjoyed in this, and there are a lot of things that didn't need to be in it, and there are some extremely terrible flaws in this movie. This is... Like about the most conflicted I've ever been about a movie. There are parts that I really, really liked, and there are parts that is like, Jesus, you couldn't got a fifth grader to write this better. I'm sorry, that's an. I apologize to my fifth graders. They would have done a much better job, seriously, writing about half this movie. I, I will say that Ares looked better in this movie than he did in Wonder Woman. That's that's one of my issues. Since you bring oh. up Ares, since you bring up Ares, he does. And kudos to using the same actor as was in Wonder Woman. Very cool. Nice continuity. I don't know if it's really needed, but okay. So explain to me how Ares, with with some prep work by Zeus, but basically all that happens is Zeus zaps Darkseid. And, and this isn't a spoiler because this is a throwaway episode, which means nothing the to the context of the film. And then Ares buries an axe into Darkseid's shoulder, defeating him, and they have to drag Darkseid off, and he passes out. So explain to me how Ares, who Wonder Woman beat, defeated Darkseid, who is the boss of Steppenwolf, yet Wonder Woman cannot possibly handle Steppenwolf by herself. Tell me how that works. There's a lack of consistency. Um, Extremely so throughout this movie, and that's one of the huge problems. Well, actually, you mentioned Steppenwolf. Steppenwolf, uh, the, <clears throat> I guess still the main bad guy of this, even though we know Darkseid is his yeah. boss and nephew, if you look in the books. But I will say that Steppenwolf does look a little bit better in this version than the original. Does he? But, does he? But his body looks good and his face looks good. But when you put them together... It doesn't work. It's kind of like saying, you know, Dolly Parton is a very attractive woman, and Holly Berry is a very attractive woman. 
But if you switch their heads, it's not going to look right. <laughs> That's kind of what they did with Steppenwolf. It just it doesn't look right. Yeah, to me, Steppenwolf is the is the glittery Twilight version of uh, you know. It's like he's so shiny and sparkly, and does he look real remotely? Does I've never seen the, look... this version of this version of Steppenwolf before. But do so... either of them look like anything other than CGI? For no. a moment, for a single moment, do you get pulled into? Wow, this is a terrifying character. Or are you thinking, Wow, that's kind of weird CGI? I'm thinking, Wow, that's kind of weird CGI. Compare that to the way Thanos looks, to the way Hulk looks. Now we know there are no nine foot tall green or ten well foot tall blue people rocking around. Yet they look realistic enough that we're drawn into it and we're just reacting to the character. Not for a single moment that I feel like that in in this movie. Because those characters are so obviously CGI. Would you like another inconsistency that I found? Because I'm just going through this chronologically oh. as it pops up. Is this number one out of 107 or so? Because it should Something be. Like, no, the, the number seven. <laughs> six, uh, anyway. And I, I think this happened in Wonder Woman, too. And it might have happened in the first just, the first version of Justice League. I'll go back and watch. But if you notice that when Wonder Woman uses the lasso of truth, mm-hmm. it doesn't work until she explains what it's supposed to do. Yeah, I noticed that. It, it, she gets a bad guy at the beginning of this, ties him up, pulls him up a couple stories and dangles him in front of her and goes, Who are you? And he goes, uh, 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 the lasso of truth compels you to tell. Oh, well, in that case, my name is Steve. That's Ted. Hi, Ted. See, I snuck him in. So there. That's Bob. We're all terrorists. Yeah. Really? Again, brilliant writing, also known as clumsy exposition. No, you want brilliant writing. That would be the break-in at Star Labs that no one notices except the janitor. Right. And by break-in, I mean something fell through the ceiling, mm. made lots of noise, nobody noticed. Yeah, because they wouldn't have any kind of security. Although they do later. Uh, yeah, there's... God, there's so many terrible things. Let's, let's go to Bruce Wayne tracking down Aquaman, and he goes to this village. And then he has an argument with Aquaman, and just lets everybody know that he's Batman... Pretty much. In front of dozens of people. Uh, This isn't 1840. They do have the internet, dude. So you've been carefully guarding your identity for at least a couple decades. Yeah. And, and, oh, okay, now I'm just going to blurt out that. Again, they could have had the same conversation, just have it out of earshot of dozens of people. That There are so many scenes like that in this movie which are like, Jesus, you people are stupid. Have you never seen a comic book movie? Even some of your own, for Christ's sake. It's just, God, it's so frustrating because, and the reason it's frustrating is because there are so many good things in this movie. Wonder Woman, and again, it's in the first version, but, you know, she disrupts this terrorist attack in London. Compare that to Wonder Woman 1984, when she's basically Paul Blart Mall Cop. In the opening scene, which is like absolutely horrifically stupid. You have one of the most powerful beings in the universe, and she's breaking up a mall jewelry store heist. Really? That's what you're going to show us? So this is like, this was an f- awesome scene. This was a great scene, despite the fact that it was like, oh, I'll have to tell you what the lasso of truth does. 
But that's a great scene. That's a great way to show the character. And there are a lot of terrific moments like that in this movie. It's to me, that's right up there with when the uh, the Amazons have had their mother box stolen and they need to tell Diana. But rather than actually going there and going, hey, this happened, they have to light the beacon. Yeah. Where they get this arrow, the arrow of set it on fire, shoot it over two continents mm-hmm. to where it lands in uh, what the Parthenon or something. And then the beacon is lit. Gondor calls for aid. That is what came to my mind. Yeah. And I, yeah, really? I will give him kudos for the accuracy of the arrow because that's, that's impressive. I mean, it's a cool dramatic moment, but yeah. The arrow flew for like five minutes of the movie. We didn't need that. Cut some. Make things smaller. Which, by the way... Is a segue to my to the introduction of Ryan Choi. <laughs> yes. Well, a lot of people don't know this. Ryan, he's not Ray Palmer, but Ryan Choi is actually, and I may have this wrong. I think he's the second person to become the Atom. I think he's the second. Yes, he he does right. become the Atom. Right. Well, I know he becomes the Atom. I'm not sure if it's number two though. It might be number right. three or four. Regardless, he becomes the Atom. He's an Atom, and he's there. Which but, to me is a huge problem. If it's a two and a half hour movie, I love it. Cool. Nice little Easter egg. Let's have Iris West. Nice little Easter egg. And another character we'll get to who winds up, he's in the movie and then he's in one of the endless epilogues. It's a four hour movie. Do something with the Adam. Do something with Iris West, who doesn't even have a freaking line. Are you kidding she me? She does. She complains about her car. Oh, for God's sakes. You know. <laughs> That's that's the issue with this movie. It's like they throw in these little Easter eggs. Oh, those are cool. And in a normal length movie, I'd be fine with that. You had four hours. You could have done subplots that actually meant something to the story instead of all these random pieces of crap that didn't belong that you could have cut. Like you said, 45 minutes, gone. Well, the, to me, after the first two chapters, my prevailing thought on this is it doesn't feel like it wants to be a movie. It, it kind of it, it feels like a, a reluctant teenager waking for school. <laughs> yes, it does. That, that's the way it felt. Mom, I don't want to. I got to find clothes. I don't want to wear this. I don't want to wear that. I don't want to talk about Themyscira. It's very Mom, much. Do, it's we have the... to do, a, do we have to do a cyborg origin story? Dad, she's making me watch a scene about Lois. It is very much the first four chapters of a, an eight, ten episode miniseries is what it is and that's not what snyder set out to do ever no so major problems with the structure of this which again that goes on snyder and and whether they were contractual issues or not i guarantee you that warner's had no confidence in this which is why they said oh let's just do a movie and yeah, yeah, I mean, the way it's set up, especially it's in six chapters, obviously you can watch a chapter and then come back and watch the next one or whatever you want because it's available for streaming. You're not compelled to watch it in a four-hour chunk like I did. but Unless the lasso of truth is surrounding you, but someone has to yeah. tell you what it does first. Yeah, and they didn't tell me, so I watched it anyway. But, you know, so this is his, his cut. It's not his cuts. This is what he wants is this four-hour movie, so I watched it it's as he intended it. You know, part of his five-movie quintology that he wanted to do of the justice league which is pretty laughable um 
the Snyder lack of cut Justice League version. Yeah, exactly. And this goes back to some of his issues and some of his other movie. And I, I love the Watchmen movie. Most people don't. I really like that movie a lot. 300, I think, is a great movie. Day of the Dead is a great movie. He's done some really cool movies. He's also done some utter crap. And this one is both. That's why this is so weird. There are so many long parts of this movie and so many basic decisions, which are terrible, CGI. And yet there are so many parts that are really good. And I'm just going to cut to the, the tagline at the very end. I like this much better than the theatrical cut. All the flaws included, I still like this much better than the theatrical cut. Problem is, if he had turned this into his theatrical cut, it would have been that much better if this had been a two and a half hour movie. There, uh, chapter three, we do get some good stuff. We get a longer Commissioner Gordon scene. Right. Um, we don't have to. We don't have the whiny Barry Allen. The I've never done anything like this before. Just go in there and save somebody. Yeah. We don't have that. Um, we get some better action scenes. We get the scene where they decide to uh, resurrect Superman, and they. I thought this was kind of. Part of me thought, okay, good. Part of me thought that's just stupid. Uh, while they're exhuming his body, Flash has the line of, you know, I can do this in about a second, right? And someone goes, yeah, but it would be disrespectful. Shut up. <laughs> You're digging up a body. It, there's not nothing respectful about this. Let him right. dig it up real quick and be done with it. If the movie needed speeding up, why yes. not do this faster? Yeah, there's uh, that whole, the, the whole sequence of the resurrection of Superman... And and the character of Superman, who is even more OP in this one than he was in the theatrical cut, I think, points out to another fundamental flaw of this movie. Why do you need a Justice League? All you needed was Superman. Batman basically says as much. Yeah. All they needed was Superman. Problem solved. So the Justice League is just a bunch of little sidekicks. Uh, all they had to do is Batman could revive Superman. It's like, I'm pretty sure Batman could have figured out how to do it without Cyborg and without the Flash and blah, blah, blah. I mean, after all, he's the one who figured out what they had to do to begin with. So get Superman back. Case closed. There's, there is no Justice League. There's Superman and the bunch of flunkies who brought him back. That's what it is. And that's a horrible concept. That's something that we never saw in the animated universe, and again, we've talked about this. Anytime DC comes up, we talk about this. Rightly so. The movies are so poorly constructed and planned compared to the animated universe. At yep. no point is Superman overpowered in the animated universe. There are several whole movies that show how badly he needs the rest of the crew. And it can be different characters. It's not always Batman. Some, some, sometimes it's freaking Green Arrow. So you never know. Who is important? That's why it's a league, and it there is no league in this movie. Did you notice what was in the nightstand drawer that Lois had? I did. The the force majeure pregnancy tests. Yep. You kind of go really. Well, you know, if you're going to have a pregnancy test with Superman, it has to be the force majeure pregnancy. Is that even a brand? Is that real? Yeah. I didn't look. Don't believe it is. I, I believe that's a. Funny little comment. However, again, part of part of his long-term plan, and and this is the thing. Pretty sure he knew he wasn't getting a second crack. He, there is no going to be. There is not going to be a 
Zack Snyder Justice League 2. He knew that when he was putting this together. Right. So, again, we have another Easter egg. Oh, that's cool. That is never going to go anywhere. What's the point? Well, I mean, well, let's go ahead and skip to the one of the post-credit scenes for this, because this was a good scene, but yeah, I didn't like it. Which sounds contradictory, but when you watch it, you'll go, oh, yeah, I don't care for it either. <laughs> the post-credit apocalyptic scene. Yeah. You've got Deathstroke and Joker and Cyborg, Batman, Flash, and Mira, because everyone else is dead. Right. Um, the whole reason they added Joker to that, because they had filmed the rest of it before, but they added Joker for this version. Zach because added Snyder Joker. said, this is the last time I'm going to get to do a Justice League thing. Uh, work with any of the DC universe and I wanted to have a scene with Batman and the Joker and this is my only chance to so here it is and it's crap yep agreed if it if it had been in a Batman movie it might be kind of interesting but there's no point to it no and and again uh, uh, granted you couldn't bring Heath Ledger back regrettably but you really want the only Joker that people generally don't like? Why didn't you use Mark Hamill, for Christ's sake? That would have been brilliant. That would have been fun. That would have worked. That would have worked. Uh, and Leto is not bad in this. But, again, it, it's it's pointless. Uh, Martian Manhunter, another one of the near-endless epilogue scenes. Martian Manhunter comes back, drops in on Bruce, because, of course, he knows who Batman really is, and Pops in and just goes, yeah, at this point, everybody does. Ah, it's because those freaking people in Iceland decided to tell everybody. So he pops in and literally says, oh, people call me the Martian Manhunter. It's like, oh, Jesus Christ, no. really? Really? How lame is that? Why don't you say, oh, my name's John? That would have been fun. I said, oh, they call me the Martian Manhunter. For the eight people watching this who've never heard of the Martian Manhunter, by the way, this is the Martian Manhunter. Oh, my God. And again, one of the original members of the Justice League, who they have never used until now in, in their actual live action slash CGI universe. Yeah, and, and I know he was one. in the other one. And he, was, and he was in the other ones, but we didn't know he was the Martian Manhunter. And it's like, well, yeah, no, okay. he, he was in the pilot episode of a Justice League TV series that hit around. Is that, is that cinematic? It is not that That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about their modern incarnation of the DCEU. So, Martian Manhunter, one of the coolest characters. And they don't do a damn thing with him. Again, yeah. if it's two and a half hours, cool. It's four hours, dude. You had four hours. This is your cut. You chose not to use Martian Manhunter except for a little teaser for something you knew would go nowhere. Like, that's pathetic. Okay, so... What I did, once I got to this point in the movie, I said, I'm going to make a list, a short list of good things and a short list of bad things. The good things. We get a glimpse of Darkseid using the Omega Beams, which is cool. Very cool. Uh, the fight scenes are better. Uh, they're a bit bloodier, and that's fine. Agreed. We get a glimpse of the Bat Tank from Frank Miller's Dark Knight series. I approve of that. And Martian cool. Manhunter did show up. I liked that. But now that brings us straight to the bad things. Uh, the first being Martian Manhunter's Where the Hell Have You Been Award. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Could have used you earlier. Hello. 
And he's been there the whole time. Yeah. He he's that character is in Man of Steel. And does he do anything? Well, yeah. At any no, point? And, and with his vast powers, who in some ways is more powerful than Superman, doesn't do a damn thing about anything going on. Finishing up my bad list thing. Uh, and I'm using my daughter's description. <laughs> Barry Allen's derpy running. Because mm-hmm. he doesn't look like he's running. I'm not sure. He looks he like he's trying to swim backwards with his hands. It's just yeah. weird. Um, I did not care for Batman's goggles, which made him look like the, the Owl Man from Watchmen, which is another Zack Snyder thing. So then. maybe that's why they did it. Yeah. It doesn't look good. Um, I did not care for Batman's born again Kryptonian faith crap. Yeah. I've got faith, Alfred. Shut up, Bruce. You've never had faith in your in anything other than yourself anywhere else. That's his character arc. Born again, Kryptonian. Bite me. He's the only one who has a character arc. Give give it to him. The (laughs) worst thing, I think, in this movie, even with all the continuity errors, Mm -hmm. is the music. Um, music I partially agree. I, I like the soundtrack. The songs, the songs that are put in are horrific. The, 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 the yeah, the second the songs themselves are okay, but yes. not in this exactly. Not in this it's the context. The Wonder of Woman the songs. theme is in there very briefly. Yep, and that's fine. But the rest of it, there is so much slow, crappy. We're going it, it, because the four hour length isn't going to do it. We'll put you to sleep with the music. Yeah. Whose idea was this? The, the, I, as I put on Facebook, the the context of the songs, beautiful songs, wonderful songs. Oh, yeah. Basically, they're, they're, they're there to make you feel, oh, my God, this is a heavy, deeply moving moment. It's like, you know what? Your damn movie should make me feel that. I, don't, the- I shouldn't have to hear us. I shouldn't have to hear Hallelujah, which thankfully is not until the credits when they finally arrive. But I shouldn't have to hear Nick Cave to make me feel the depth of sorrow. I was like, let me see. Nick we, Cave Marvel. sang the depth of sorrow. Cave, not Cage. That would be that would be interesting. That I would like to hear. But you know, it's like, let me see. Marvel killed off half of their universe, and that made me feel. And then they brought them back, but there were all sorts of horrific complications because of that, and some major characters died because of that. So Marvel is able to make movies where things happen organically because that's the story. DC has to give you a song, and in this case, Zack Snyder has to give you a song to make you feel there's some depth in this. The very end of the movie, I'm not counting the 19 epilogues, the end of the movie where they're all standing there triumphantly, does, do a single one of those characters look like they did anything more strenuous than go through a tennis match? Do they look like they had put any effort at all into this? I huge wouldn't go Titanic so far as to say they were in a tennis match. This huge Titanic struggle to save the world, and they're standing there is like, ah, they're not even sweating. No. That, I, again, huge basic flaw with this movie. I, I'm astounded that people can think this is, oh my god, it's marvelous. It's like, you didn't watch the movie. You just reveled in, oh look, I got to see this, I got to see that. It's like, nothing happened. None of these freaking characters changed, except Superman, who came back from the dead. That's kind of a big character arc. He's now wearing black. Yeah. Oh, and the fact that he's wearing black, and the fact that he's more OP, the reason he wore 
Tell us the reason that Superman wore a black suit in the comics. Uh, that would be because it absorbed solar radiation better and allowed him to heal quicker. Did they, Did they mention that in this movie? Uh, let me think. That would be no. So all this is is some crappy fan service because people wanted a black suit and completely ignored something that would have fixed this freaking movie if Superman had been underpowered because he came back from the freaking dead. Then it could have been the Justice League takes out the bad guys instead of Superman shows up and, you know, takes the trash out to the dumpster, which is basically what he did. I have two other things to go with this, and that would be the worst line of the movie huh. and the best line of the movie. How could you pick one? Anyway, go ahead. For me, <laughs> this, was, this was the worst line of the movie in my head was Steppenwolf's first line. And I want you to think about this because it doesn't, it, 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 it's just stupid. I've come to enlighten you about the darkness. <laughs> what? <laughs> you, really? Really? That's the best you could come up with for this. Yeah. But the, the best line actually is Superman's. Um, and it's it's not going to make a whole lot of sense out of context, like I'm about to do it. But give me a minute. The yeah. line is, I'm not impressed. Yeah. Which is exactly how I feel about this movie. It sounds <laughs> I'm not impressed. Um, that's funny. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes. Audience says, with more action, more character development, double the runtime, this is the epic Justice League, that exact matter fans, blah, blah, blah. Okay, it does have more action, yes. It is double the runtime, yes. Does it have more character development? Does it really? Not necessarily any of the characters we were interested in. It develops yeah. Ryan Choi in that he showed up this time. Yeah, Batman has faith. That's character development. But other than that, and there's the zero character development. That's one of the biggest flaws with this movie. Uh, since I brought up Rotten Tomatoes, and again, we've talked about this, Rotten Tomatoes is the wrong source to go to when you want to find out if a movie is, a, is good or not, because it's based on, does a critic say, watch it or don't? That's it. 74% of the critics say, watch this movie. Doesn't mean 74% of them love it, just means watch the movie. Metacritic, and again, this is only if you care about critics' reviews, okay, so that's an entirely separate issue. Metacritic is 55 which is a much better gauge of do they like it or not. It's not just based on see it, don't see it. It's not a binary system. Um, Back to Rotten Tomatoes has a 96% audience score, which is tremendous. Watch. We know how. Who's watched this? Hardcore DC fans who don't know better. And people who wanted this, who are begging for the Snyder Cut. And a few other people like us who do movie shows. That's it. That's the only people. So let's see where this is, where the score is in three months. And, you know, basically, I'm happy that the Snyder fans are happy. That's cool. I mean, there's a lot of things to like about this. It's cool that a movie that made over $800 million and that a lot of fans weren't satisfied with got a director's cut. That's a cool thing. Whether whether the director's cut pans out or not, it's cool that the fans got what they wanted. I like that. Um uh, and overall, I think this is better with all of the flaws it has. I think this is better than the theatrical cut because the theatrical cut is half of Zack Snyder's work anyway. 
Except for the fact that they cut out the Batman parademon scene. True. I'm really not happy about that. I, I like that scene. I know that. And I, I agree. I do like that scene, too. So, you know, there are tons of problems with this movie. I mean, I would recommend, despite all this, I would recommend watching it if you're... If not you like the sitting. DC Universe. Yeah, you, there's no reason to sit through it in one sitting. Um, and like he said, you could probably skip a couple of the chapters. But... Is it worth watching? Yeah, it's worth watching. Um, is it good? I mean, out of four stars, I would give it two and a half. So, you know, it's passable. So to me, the, the good points overwhelm the bad points, but that's what's frustrating. Again, this is this is a property that's been kicking around since the 60s in, in comics, and this is so far below what Warners has released countless times in the animated universe that's the frustration is this could have been fantastic this could have been marvel off the map it could have been that good and instead it's if it was in the marvel universe it would be the worst marvel movie that actually seems to be a segue into something else though it could be the snyder cut or the first episode of falcon and winter soldier oh my god there's no comparison not for me and it's not the snyder cut (laughs) <laughs> I I too watched Falcon and Winter Soldier and I'm looking forward to seeing more of it. There's there's yes. I don't know that there's enough to make a definitive decision as to whether or not oh it's a must watch. Although I think we kind of know at this point you're going to want to at least watch it. Mm-hmm. For sure. Well, just just to cut to the chase of the comment on Rotten Tomatoes is like character development. And basically, there is none in the Snyder Cut, despite the fact he has four hours. Despite the fact that he knew this was it it for him. Tons of character development in just the first episode of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Tons of character development. Is there any action there? Uh, Yes. Yeah. Great action sequence. This, This thing, how many... Okay, it's not seconds, but how many minutes does it take to get into the action in this? Two? I mean, it's... Bam! Right into and it's an awesome action scene. Awesome action scene. I, I, it's definitely worth watching. We, you know, we'll we'll try to keep you up to date. There's not a whole lot to not a whole lot to tell. I think at this point. Well, um, they introduce they introduce the the main plot line that there's a new terrorist organization out there, right? Flag Smashers, right. and and uh, Sam has decided not to take up the shield. Because he felt that, just like he told Cap, it feels like it's some like it belongs to someone else. He felt like it so belonged to, to someone else. Someone else. Yeah. So, you know, he decided not to keep the shield. And then we jump to Bucky. The two don't even have a scene together because they're not best buds. Nope. Yet, which makes sense because they weren't best buds. They were connect. They were connected by Cap. Cap's gone. So why would they hang out? Uh, we'll get to that, I'm sure, as as it goes along. But Bucky is struggling. There was a mention of uh, how Bucky is not answering Sam's calls. Right, right. Buck, Bucky is struggling. As you would assume someone would be who had been brainwashed into being an assassin for 70 years, probably yeah. really hard to come to grips with that. He's going through therapy. He's in a 12-step program. Uh, there, there are some nice segues to some past action scenes of Bucky. Not being friendly Bucky Barnes, but being the Winter Soldier and the aftermath of that. So there's a lot of character depth to this. 
uh, Anthony Mackie is struggling with life as not as a superhero, but just as a guy who is trying to keep his family business and his family home and the impact of what the blip did and the return of the people from the blip. So there are consequences to the happy thing that all these people are back, which Wanda Vision touched on too. It's like, it's not all peaches and cream. Peaches and cream. I was going to say candy canes and lemonade, which is terrible. So I'm glad you said peaches and cream. So it's not all peaches and cream when pe- now people are back. It's like, oh, everything's great. It's like, actually, it causes huge problems. Actually, so, I think it is mostly peaches. I don't like peaches. <laughs> it's mostly pe- I don't like peaches either. And you live in Georgia, the blue state. Uh, I'm sorry. My parents taught me if a food is fuzzy, you don't eat it. Peaches are fuzzy, That's you a don't topic. eat them. That's a topic for the other show, Rob. We can't talk I'm, about I'm that. Sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, Falcon and the Winter Soldier has some great action scenes, has tons of character depth and development, and they don't have to play Hallelujah once to make you feel for what these characters are going through. Uh, I've heard some comments just like saying, oh, wow, it's like not much happens. It's like, you do know this is not a movie, right? This is the first part of six episodes. Episode one. If if this was if this was the Falcon and the Winter Soldier movie, yeah, I'd be kind of like, really, is that it? It's it's the first episode. There's plenty to love in this, for considering it's launching the first and such a different take from Wandavision. This is back to what we more typically expect from Marvel, which is a good thing because we don't want another odd situation like Wanda. That would be cool, but it doesn't fit this character. These characters are very much living in that Captain America and the Winter Soldier movie where this is full of espionage and action and how this impacts people's lives. Introduces some very cool new characters and introduces a very interesting character that at the very end of this, and you probably know who it is, but I'm not going to say because spoilers, but introduces a very major player in this series at the end of it. And I will say this, it's like, at least in this one shot we get, dude looks ugly. I mean, what the hell? He's not, yeah, but in that like shot. He doesn't have any teeth. Yeah, it's odd, right? It's not against anything that people, I'm not against people who don't have teeth. I'm just saying, <laughs> this guy looks like he should have teeth. It's an odd shot because the actor mm-hmm. is a good looking actor. It's just this one shot makes him, and it makes me wonder if he's intentional. Because he is so not handsome compared to Steve Rogers. It's it has to be. It's interesting. It has to be intentional. Yeah. I don't know what like, the intention really is. <clears throat> to make to make us feel creeped out, maybe? I don't know. But it, but it is interesting. So, But yeah, I'm I, totally on board with this. This looks awesome. I love the fact that both of them are troubled in very different ways. Um, Sam is kind of troubled by the external world, which we get a little hint that Tony Stark did not drop them a nickel for being Avengers, which is kind of sad. Um, And and Bucky Barnes is, he's having some issues. He's struggling. Although, and there is humor in here, his little date scene. That was fun. Yeah. When he tells, she asks how old he is, and he says 106. It's like, (laughs) that's just great. And and he's so old-fashioned because he is a man of the 40s, and he brings flowers on the first day, and it's just, uh, yeah, which is a cool thing to do, whether you're from the 40s or not, but it, her reaction is perfect, so. I'm not sure it was a bright idea to play Battleship. <laughs> yeah, 
surprising as soon as she said, let's play a game, puts Battleship up, I'm like, yeah, he was there when that happened. <laughs> I didn't know that. It's pretty funny. He's got PTSD already. I don't know that we need this. Yeah. So uh, there are a lot of light moments in the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and there's a lot of depth to it and a lot of action. I, there's nothing not to like about it. I think I, I, as it progresses, as we get to the real villains, and the yeah, I think this is just going to be awesome. Something else I think is awesome. I'm just throwing this in as a very brief review because it fits perfectly into this episode. Yes. Even though it has nothing to do with superheroes. Let me explain. We are now in 2021. We are recording this. On the 21st, so there's another 21. <laughs> it is episode 12 of the year, so we've got 2112. That means, yep, I'm going to bring up something about Rush. <laughs> Go right ahead. It, it fit perfectly. I have to put it here. I watched a documentary on them this week called Rush, The Rise of Kings, which came out apparently back in 2004, and everybody missed it. At least I did, and yeah. everyone I know... Missed it as well. So I watched this. It actually covers the history of Rush from 1968 until when it, the title says 1981. Although they talk about an album that came out in 1982. Hmm. That's my one flaw with it. Is that apparently there's a typo in the title. Who cares? It's actually got a lot of in-depth stuff. It's got interviews. It's got talk. a lot of talk with backstage people. If you are a fan of Rush or want to learn more about them, which if you're not a fan, you should want to learn more about them, this is actually a good thing to watch. Um, and see, how short a review is that? Could Snyder have made that? No. Snyder Cut would actually have gone through the entire script and added ten more pages. Snyder's review would have added, would be longer than the actual documentary. Exactly. I'm just saying. <laughs> It's a short review, but there it is. Rush, Rise of Kings. Go watch. There you go. So, did you want to throw in your other thing that you watched this week? Sure. I watched another thing this week. It was fun. I liked it. There you go. That's a shorter review than yours. Guess what wow. it was? <laughs> on Netflix. You can, on Netflix, you can watch. I guess we should also say uh, Falcon, and Winter Snell, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I can speak, Soldier. honestly, is on Disney+. Plus. And yes. Zack Snyder's, the Zack Snyder cut of, I think it's officially called Zack Snyder's Justice League. That yep. is on uh, HBO Max. So there you go. Um, so I watched Netflix. So we're watching all the streaming things. I watched a Actually, little anime the, series. Rise yes. of Kings is on IMDb. Apparently. Well, there you go. Which, by the way, is free. Totally free. Yep. Part of Amazon's service because they bought IMDb. But IMDb has some really cool stuff. I'd never heard of that. Uh, not that I'm a huge Rush fan, but I'd never heard of that documentary. So I look at music documentaries frequently. And interesting how it kind of surfaced. Anyway, yes, Netflix is showing an anime series. <clears throat> excuse me. Called Pacific Rim. Yeah, Castle Rim. They're they're showing that too. Pacific Rim, the Black. So oh, yeah. this this takes place after the first Pacific Rim movie, which is good. And does not acknowledge the existence of Pacific, Upper, Pacific Rim Uprising, which is horrific. So don't watch that. Um, so the basis is two Jaeger pilots. They are, this is set in Australia, and Australia has been invaded like all the other 
countries around the Pacific Rim, get it? Um, and they have a family. They have two young kids, and they're going off for another battle. And they're headed towards Sydney to help save Sydney. But they can't take the kids because it's dangerous to be riding around in a Jaeger. But they say, you will be back, et cetera, et cetera. Well, of course, they don't come back. Q2, five years later, and the kids, all these teenagers still have their own little community. And they're trying to figure things out. And one of them finds a Jaeger, accidentally activates it, which makes a Category 4 kaiju zoom in and hone in and zero in on their location not a good thing no. because because this is a training jaeger on top of everything else so it doesn't even have any weapons so basically the brother and sister go off to sydney in search of their parents and so it's this is their journey and they find an odd little child on the way and they find another community which is fighting Jaegers, but they're not, not fighting Jaegers, sorry, fighting Kaiju, but they're not exactly wonderful people, which happens in the post-apocalyptic type movies, series, whatever. So it's their, it's their journey along the way and their adventures and fighting occasional Kaiju and blah, blah, blah. So I really, really like this edition. This is so much better than Pacific Rim Uprising, which again, horrific, don't watch it. Is it as good as Pacific Rim, the original? No, but very entertaining, highly worth watching. Lots of references to characters that were in the original movie, which is nice. So it ties in very well. Uh, yes, it does come to a satisfying conclusion. Yes, it has been announced that Series 2 is approved. And yes, there's definitely a path they're going into because they show new characters at the very end, literally the very end of the last episode totally sets up the next series so pacific rim the black very very good uh expands a lot on the concept of the kaiju and the jaegers without screwing up anything that was done in the original it just expands on it doesn't doesn't retcon anything which is a, a nice trick something Zack Snyder could have taken a look at. So highly recommend that. I can't remember offhand if there's eight or nine episodes. They're like 27 minutes. So it's a, I mean, you could knock it out in one day if you wanted to. That would actually make it shorter than the Snyder cut. Yeah. Very entertaining. Great stuff. I would recommend Falcon and the Winter Soldier over this, but very entertaining. And I mean, despite all my misgivings, I still recommend if you watched the Justice League movie, the theatrical cut, and thought, geez, this could have been better. Go ahead and watch Zack Snyder's Justice League because it is better. It still has huge problems. It itself could be much better, but I would say watch it. Just just be aware that certain parts of it are going to make you go, what the hell were they thinking? <laughs> so there we go. Four films to watch this week. One of, well, sorry, three films in a TV series. But one of them is going to feel like a TV series because it's that damn long. And you should probably watch it as if it was a TV series. Yeah, That'll last you until next week, which means you will have no excuse not to stay in and watch a movie. Captain, we're losing power in the warp engines. I think we should be leaving now. I'm going to go home and sleep with my wife. Uh, and on that unusually harmonious bombshell, it is time to end. I am... Very disappointed! Man, we have a weird job. It's shameful, but uh, eh, it's a living. And like that, he's gone.
of death. 